It's a beautiful thing to watch people, watch all of you connect with one another. Uh, and I say that because I'm thinking tonight about this, um, this sky-like nature of the mind that I pointed to during the sitting practice, this some would call our primordial nature, our true nature, our Buddha nature, that uh, what, what that our innermost nature is in some ways, what lives inside of you lives inside of me. And we are essentially, as it's spoken about in some of the Buddhist traditions, we are uh, of one mind, one essential uh, mind. Yet, within that one mind and that deepest nature of each of us uh, also includes the myriad forms that we take, the, the immaculate playing with itself, you might say. Uh, the mind reflecting itself in, in all the different forms. And when we, so when we connect with another person, we, we are actually connecting with ourselves as it's expressed in some, by someone else. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the uh, fact that sometimes we don't see the essential nature in the people that, who we're connecting with. We don't see that, like Ramdas used to say, one of his practices was to, when he greeted somebody, say, are, are, I'm in here, are you in there? I'm in here, are you in there? And that would be a way of, of recognizing the, the, div, the divinity. And in the Hindu tradition, they say, namaste or namaskar. Uh, when I am in that place that is divine or free or immaculate, and you're in that place that is free and immaculate, we are one. I bow to the divinity in you. That's one of the ways that it's translated. But we often don't do that. And our, our mind gets very narrow and we see each other as opposition or as competition or as someone to blame or someone to demand something of or someone, something to need something from. And it, it is, the, to me, the, the direction of our practice to come out of that narrow uh, view of each other, a narrow view of ourselves, um, to a wider uh, capacity to see the divinity in each other. My wife was telling me that uh, she started a, a new practice, and that's partly why I'm talking about this. She and an example of how she used this practice. I'll tell you the example first, and you'll be able to to figure out what the practice is. She was pulling into a parking lot in Marin County, and some uh, guy driving a big Volvo cut right in front of her, and her conditioned impulse as most of ours is, is to narrow our, our hearts, our hearts to tight, tighten, to then view somebody through the lens of what they should or shouldn't do. Of course, I've never done this. 
and get very angry, get, uh, get angry and start to, start to scream. And because she was beginning this new practice, she said to herself, maybe, maybe he just uh, got divorced. And he's just preoccupied or something. And as soon as she remembered that this person, even though he has divinity, he has a story. He has something going on in his life. Each of us has something going on in our lives. We have our individual karma, our individual circumstances. We all have the divinity in us, but we also have our individual circumstances. And if I'm just seeing through the lens of, of my views and opinions, I might just make that person into a thing. I might not see the wider implications of their life. And so the moment she saw that maybe there's something more going on, and her view widened a little, a little, her heart opened and relaxed. And she got out of the car, and the guy turned around and said, Did I cut you off? And they shared a big smile, and she said, No problem. I don't remember the last time I said, No problem, when somebody cut me off. <laughs> So seeing the divinity in each other is, is, starts with just seeing that, each, that there's stuff going on. It's not just a, a washing of everyone clean, of their, just, just seeing the light in them. That's part of it. But also all the, the circumstances that have occluded or darkened or, or made that light difficult. Now... You know, Madison, who spoke about her need for housing. We might, we might uh, sometimes not, she, Madison might be in a bad mood someday uh, because she's lacking housing. She may be afraid. She may be a little bit so freaked out that she's oblivious to what's going on around her. But if we just stop for a moment and say, oh, Madison's, have, Madison's struggling with her housing. Don't we naturally then uh, connect to the divinity in her? And then we're back resting in our true nature. And that's a practice, seeing that stuff's going on with everybody. So look around the room. See, this person has a story and that person has a story. You know, we often talk about each other's stories and that we're not our stories. We aren't our stories. We're not defined by our stories. But whatever it is that I'm calling the story right now, what the circumstances in our life, this is, this is hard to bear. This is part of dukkha. Every person here has their version of the first noble truth going on. First noble truth, that shit happens. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> am, I, am I at home? <laughs> in my living room. So usually if there's if we're having success that's that's where the we our attention will our heart will open to our success but then we have failure 
We have good fortune, then we have bad fortune. We have pleasure, we have pain. We have gain, we have loss. We have the worldly winds blow through every single person's life. And not only is our practice to, to uh, put our refuge in awareness with these winds as they blow through our lives, but it's also to trust awareness, put our refuge in awareness when we see that those winds are blowing through everybody else's life, too. And maybe we'll be a little less critical, and maybe we'll be just a little bit more able to uh, shine our light and be of some benefit to whoever we come into contact with, instead of adding, compounding the tension by our our fear, our aversion, our judgments, so many judgments of people when they're... I, I can't tell you how many times I have just railed at uh, people who've cut me off or people who seem very selfish and preoccupied. And you know, there's so many reasons from a narrow perspective that we can be critical. It's much more a road less traveled to say, what's going on with that person today? So, just wanted to say that. But I also wanted to to just reiterate or point again that the the uh, most compassionate thing that we can offer to anyone, in my view, is to realize our uh, true nature, to realize our Buddha nature, to not... Uh, search for it um, anywhere else. Because if we do recognize it within ourselves, we will see that it's shared with everyone. It's shared by everyone. It's just so obvious. It's no longer an intellectual exercise or a, a philosophy. It's something we realize from our own direct experience. And using the words of, of Ramana Maharshi, great uh, master the last century in India, he said, there's no special effort necessary to realize your Buddha nature. All efforts are for eliminating, for eliminating the, pre- the present obscuration to that truth. So a lady, wearing a, necklace, a lady was wearing a necklace around her neck. She forgets it imagines it to be lost, and impulsively looks for it here, there, and everywhere. Not finding it, she asks her friends if they found it anywhere. Until one kind friend points to her neck and tells her to feel the necklace around her neck. The seeker does so and feels happy that the necklace is found. Again, when she meets other friends, they ask her if her lost necklace was found. She says yes to them, as if it were lost and later recovered. Her happiness at rediscovering it around her neck is the same as if some lost property was recovered. In fact, she never lost it, nor recovered it. And yet, she was once miserable and now she's happy. So also is with the realization of our, of our nature. 
So this is the point, is to recognize that whatever you have been searching for is none other than uh, the present nature of your own mind, the sky-like nature of your own mind that is free. And you'll, you may notice that in any instant that you recognize the sky-like nature of your mind, just the, the basic immovable openness of awareness, in the very instant of that recognition, every desire you've ever had is fulfilled because you don't want anything. You don't need anything. Nothing is law, nothing is missing, nothing is extra. Everything's granted. So Kabir says, don't go outside your house to see the flowers. My friend, don't bother with that excursion. Inside your body, there are flowers. One flower has a thousand petals. That will do for a place to sit. Sitting there, you will have a glimpse of beauty inside the body and out of it, before gardens and after gardens. We'll just keep sharing a few little passages until I run out of gas. <laughs> or you do. <laughs> From Noshul Ken Rinpoche, a Tibetan teacher, profound and tranquil, free from complexity, uncompounded, luminous clarity, beyond the mind of conceptual ideas. This is the depth of the mind of the Buddhas. In this there is not a thing to be removed, nor anything that needs to be added. It is merely the immaculate, looking naturally at itself. Just a little bit, another hammer of the same teaching from the Zen master Hakuin. Hakuin Zenji. All beings by nature are Buddha. Buddha. As ice by nature is water. Apart from water, there is no ice. Apart from beings, no Buddha. How sad that people ignore the near and search for truth afar. Like someone in the midst of water, crying out in thirst. Like a child of a wealthy home, wandering among the poor. Lost on dark paths of ignorance, when shall we be freed from this cycle of searching? O oh, meditation, to this the highest praise. Devotion, training, the many perfections all have their source in meditation. Those who meditate even once wipe away beginningless crimes. Where are all the dark paths then? The pure land itself is near. Those who hear this truth even once and listen with a grateful heart, treasuring it, revering it, gain blessings without end. Much more, those who turn about and bear witness to self-nature, self-nature that is no nature, 
go far beyond any doctrine. Oh, how boundless and free is the sky of awareness. How bright the full moon of wisdom. Truly, is anything missing now? Nirvana is right here before your eyes. This very place, the lotus land. This very body, the Buddha. And shifting once again back into the Tibetan tradition. This is from the passage from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which is really a a meditation instruction for living. Remember the clear light, the pure, clear, white light from which everything in the universe comes, to which everything in the universe returns, the original nature of your own mind, the natural state of the universe, unmanifest. Let go into the clear light. Trust it. Merge with it. It is your own nature. It is home. The visions you experience exist within your consciousness. The forms they take are determined by your past attachments, your past desires, your past fears, your past karma. These visions have no reality outside of your consciousness. No matter how frightening some of them may seem, they cannot hurt you. Just notice them pass through your consciousness. They will all pass in time. No need to become involved with them. No need to become attracted to the beautiful visions. No need to be repelled by the frightening ones. No need to be seduced or excited by the sexual ones. No need to be attached to them at all. Just let them pass. If you become involved with the visions in your mind, you may have to wander a long time confused. Just let them pass through your consciousness like clouds passing through an empty sky. Fundamentally, they have no more reality than this. Remember these teachings. Remember the pure light, the clear light, the pure, shining, bright white light of your own nature. It is deathless. If you can look into the visions, you might consider, as you hear this now, these are the thought you can see visions as thoughts, as images, this whole world. If you can look at the visions, you can experience or recognize that they are composed, everything is composed of the same pure, clear light as everything else in the universe. And if you can do this, you will be liberated. No matter where, no matter where or how far you wander, the light is only a split second, a half breath away. It's never too late to recognize the clear light. So may you be happy, may you be peaceful, may you be free of suffering, and may you realize your Buddha nature. That's all I have tonight. Anyway, let's sit, sit quietly for a moment.
from the poet Rilke, entitled Buddha in Glory. Center of all centers, core of cores, almond, self-enclosed and growing sweet. All this universe to the furthest stars and beyond them is your flesh, your fruit. Now you feel how nothing clings to you. Your vast shell reaches into endless space. And there the rich, thick fluids rise and flow, illuminated in your infinite peace. A billion stars go spinning through the night, blazing high above your head. But in you is the presence that will be when all the stars are dead. May we all realize that what lives inside of you lives inside of me. And may the blessings of our life, our practice, our actions be dedicated every day to the welfare and benefit of ourselves in the forms of each other. May all beings be touched by liberation. May all beings live with ease. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your generosity. Hope to see all of you, everyone here, uh, Saturday at Spirit Rock for loving the house that Ego built. We'll deconstruct all of our self-views and, uh, and love ourselves up. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.